This episode is sponsored by my good friends at Bullish. Stay tuned for more information on this amazing company later in the episode. Breaking news, everyone. The United States government is banning airplanes because a criminal wants to use one to fly from one country to another. United States government is also banning iPhones because a criminal once made a phone call to his mom and mentioned some criminal intent. Well, that's basically what we have happening now with Tornado Cash, although those things are obviously not the case. The first time that I, our guests can tell me if I'm wrong, but the first time that I can recall in history, the department, Treasury Department is sanctioning effectively a piece of open source code rather than a person or an entity, and which effectively makes it illegal for any United States citizen to interact with that with a potential pen- penalty of 30 years in prison. And we're going to talk about why this is a dangerous precedent and, of course, a massively slippery slope for freedom and privacy moving forward. You guys know I've been gone for quite a while. I kind of missed uh, the story and didn't do a very deep dive until this weekend. So luckily, I've got Seth Hartline from Ledger here and Michael Fascinello to discuss this with us. You guys don't want to miss this one. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and, I don't know, cry tears on the like button about the privacies that are being violated uh, all over the world. Because it's happening, and this story is uh, absolutely absurd as I've caught caught up on it. Of course, we all know that there was a coder arrested in the Netherlands. I, As usual these days, considering Everything I read seems to be fake news or made up. I'm reserving judgment on that actual situation until we see if he's simply being arrested for programming the code or if there's something else deeper there. But I have a feeling it's probably the former and that this is once again a terrifying, disgusting story. As you guys know, I have been away basically two weeks. The last time I live streamed was uh, Tuesday, two weeks ago. I ended up going on vacation in the Bahamas and taking a savage attack from a sea turtle, which you guys may have seen uh, on on Twitter. I'm I'm very lucky to be alive, to be quite honest with you. It was a very angry sea turtle. I literally got bit by a sea turtle. It was hilarious. Probably one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me. I think now I'm a unicorn. I got bit uh, on the foot by a shark about 10 years ago surfing in South Beach. I was the first person to be bit by a shark uh, on South Beach in like 35 years. And now I've been uh, savagely attacked by a sea turtle. So needless to say, uh, I am not beloved by sea life, but we can get into that later. So guys, as you know, I have two guests today, Seth and Mike. I'm going to go ahead and bring them both on right now so that we can talk more about this tornado cash situation because it's really, it's really terrifying. Uh, Seth, you wrote an amazing thread about it. You kind of made some of the comparison similar to what I said at the very beginning. I mean, is this equally absurd as banning all these other platforms or technologies because they've been used by criminals? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's an important conversation to have, Uh, you know, sanctions as a, you know, as a tool, um, you know, used by the the Treasury Department in the US, uh, you know, has historically always been aimed at at individuals, you know, humans, and, and in fact, what 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 they actually did uh, last week uh, was to add uh, the the tornado cash uh, URL, tornado.cash, and uh, thirty eight uh, uh, ETH addresses, uh, in, including the the smart contracts that run uh, tornado cash, 
to a particular list, uh, the SDN list, or um, specially designated nationals and other blocked persons, right? And so that's a list of people, right? Nationals are people uh, and, and other blocked persons. Now that can include entities, um, but never before has that, uh, you know, has that list of persons uh, included, uh, you know, inanimate objects or, uh, you know, or code. Um, now, a lot of people point out that, you know, that crypto addresses have been added to the SDN list in the past, and that's true, um, you know, but I think that's better thought of as, uh, you know, sanctioning a person, right? Because a person- It's like their bank account. I mean, that's yeah, like exactly. the a bank person, accounts of an individual, right? Exactly. A person owns or controls that wallet. The distinction here uh, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the Tornado Cash smart contract itself was added to the list, meaning that Americans can no longer legally interact with it. Um, and, um, you know, that's a bit of a Rubicon, right? We've not dealt with that before. And I think it, it, it uh, you know, calls into question a number of those examples, uh, you know, that I, that I listed in, in my thread and that, that, that you pointed out at the, uh, at the top of the stream. Uh, you know, if we're going to start sanctioning non-persons, right, where does it end, right? Uh, you know, can we sanction objects now? Uh, you know, what other types of information uh, you know, does anything a criminal or, uh, you know, someone, some viewed as a threat by, uh, you know, by the U.S. government, uh, you know, it, 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 whatever they touch can be sanctioned now. Uh, you know, the, there are some pretty profound implications for that, that, that I, I think we're just starting to sort through. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And then it raises, I think, endless questions about what's that, what that means for people who have interacted with that smart contract in the past obviously, right? For, for legitimate reasons, I think it's very clear. We should point out that probably the bulk of the activity by a large majority there is just people trying to protect their privacy and not doing anything illicit, right? So what, what does it mean for people who have interacted with it in the past? Also, we've seen that there are people literally targeting, I mean, I know Justin's son reported this, are just sending a little bit of ETH to people they don't like wallets through tornado cash to get them sanctioned and get their wallet wallets locked. I mean, this is horrible. Mike, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it's, a, it, I mean, a, it's a very, very serious issue, but I, I, I have to say it actually, it gave me a chuckle to see people, you know, celebrities, uh, people well-known in crypto, Brian Armstrong, Jimmy Fallon, uh, all these people getting basically dropped dirty ETH, uh, you know, as basically a show of force from, from the community saying, listen, Treasury, you know, you can sanction a thing, but, but you know, it's not really getting to the target that you're trying to, to reach here. Um, I've seen different numbers as far as, uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, illicit activity actually goes through Tornado Cash. I've seen 14%, I've seen 37%, I've seen a bunch of different statistics. None of them seem to seem to propose a majority of the transactions being illicit. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, from the legal and regulatory standpoint, I work with OFAC in the, in the past, um, I'm a student of the law myself. And so, uh, you know, under under EO executive order uh, 13694, I mean, the president uh, has given OFAC the capacity to come down with sanctions like this. Um, I think, you know, as Seth was saying, what makes this uh, starkly different from the past is um, all of those other types of sanctions that had been handed down uh, or designated, if you would, uh, they involved, um, you know, parties that had some sort of agency, whether it's an individual, an entity, a government, uh, you know, even country programs. I mean, OFAC has country programs, Russia, Cuba, Iran, things like that. Um, this one falls under cyber. And so, you know, it's designated, it's uh, targeted, uh, specifically focused at nefarious activity in cyberspace. Um, the question here is, 
uh, is it really getting to the heart of what they're trying to accomplish or is it really uh, overreaching into the, the realm of privacy? Um, you know, one, one can argue that if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, do this type of sanctions, if you're going to, uh, you know, shoot a shot across the bow with crypto like this for this type of activity, bad cash, because a hell of a lot more illicit activity um, happens and has happened for, for hundreds of years involving currencies, uh, you know, fiat currencies. So why aren't we acting in the fiat space more strongly versus here? I mean, you see banks like HSBC, Wells Fargo, I mean, they get fines, millions of dollars, slaps on the wrist in terms of what they're actually passing through the institutions. Um, but then the, the government comes down basically with a sledgehammer on a fly in terms of, you know, crushing open source code, uh, you know, and going after. I mean, in the, in the case of the Netherlands, I mean, I think what scares me here is if you're going to criticize the U.S., uh, at least give us, some, you know, the, the U.S. government, at least give the government uh, something here, which is they haven't gone so far as to arrest people. Okay, the Netherlands, that's absurd that you would go out <clears throat> and arrest basically a code developer, uh, you know, merely for writing a code that could potentially be used for nefarious activity, not specifically designed, uh, you know, to facilitate nefarious activity, but that could be used in that sense. And like you joked at the beginning, Scott, you know, we should, should we ban uh, cars? Should we ban cell phones? I mean, where does it end? And so I think, you know, as much as the U.S. can be criticized for actions like this, at the same time, we do have to sit here and say, well, at least at this point in time, we, we, we do have a better situation than Europe. We do have a better situation than Asia. This is not China. This is not Russia. Um, you know, so there is that. Uh, but but I am, I am uh, you know, curious to see just how aggressive, aggressive the government gets from this point, because this is, um, this is a very different step than what we've seen in the past couple of years. I, uh, you know, I had spoken a lot uh, on different uh, forums in the past about regulatory fence sitting. Uh, legislators don't seem to want to act. The regulators are, you know, basically regulating by enforcement. We've seen that with the SEC. Um, but this is a different step entirely. And now they're starting to get serious. I mean, it's hard to be encouraged by being, I guess, like the prettiest pig in the pen if you're still going to get slaughtered, right? So uh, that, that's, a, again, that's just another slippery slope. We, we, they're not arresting people yet. And I guess that leads to what this actually means for enforcement, because it seems... Like this is more of a symbolic gesture to sort of, as you said, I think shoot a shot across the bow, then they're not going to be able to go arrest uh, every single person who's had a tornado cash uh, transaction of any sort, right? And you alluded, obviously, I have this story here, the Netherlands arrests a suspected developer. Maybe you guys can give me some color on this, Seth. Is it literally just because he programmed this or are there other allegations here? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, n nobody knows quite yet. Um, right. You know, not, not a lot of information has come out from, uh, you know, from, from Dutch authorities other than, you know, just a very vanilla type statement, uh, you know, so we don't know. Um, and, and, you know, as you alluded at the, at, at, at the top of the hour, uh, you know, if, you know, if, if this developer was truly just arrested for writing some code, uh, you know, I think everyone should be very, very concerned. Um, you know, I, I reserve judgment because I don't know the full story. I don't know if there's Same. something more to it that, that could explain it. But, um, it, you know, it's something that, uh, that the crypto community needs to, to, to be watching very closely. Um, you know, I, I, it, 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 if that is, in fact, uh, you know, what is happening here, it, it's hard to imagine a clearer example of uh, restraints on, on free speech or, you know, a sort of a, a, a government chilling effect. Um, than, uh, you know, to take a, take an action like this. Um, 
but but going back to a, to a point uh, Mike made before about this being uh, you know symbolic, uh, you know I think there there there's a statistic that I think paints a pretty good picture here. So, um, uh, you know the the estimate uh, is that a, a, approximately 7.6 billion uh, do U.S. dollars worth of ETH um, has has gone through Tornado Cash uh, in its in its entirety, and just to put that into perspective. Uh, uh, a large French bank, BNP Paribas, in 2014 was fined 8.9 uh, billion in 2014 for sanctions violations. So there are banks that have had larger fines for sanctions evasion than all of the money that has ever gone through tornado cash. Right. So I don't. I don't think this was really about uh, you know sanctions evasion on a large scale. I, I think this was was much more. Um, a, a policy and a, and a, and a political calculation uh, that there's another uh, uh, another little interesting tidbit that we can get into later on, on the political motivations here. But um, I, I think it's important to start just by putting putting the dollar values into perspective uh, of tornado cash versus the banking system. I mean, don't we actually have precedent that code is speech and we have free speech, obviously, and that money is speech and we have free speech, obviously. So this could very easily be argued as a violation of the first amendment i mean those are that that's been litigated right i mean we we've seen judgments on those things yeah absolutely uh, so the the sort of the leading case on on coded speech is uh, bernstein versus department of justice uh, which uh involved uh, uh, a, a berkeley uh, grad student um who had developed a new encryption technique uh and uh wanted to speak about it and wanted to commercialize it and um, you know, prior to, to this litigation, uh, the U.S. government considered all encryption technology to be military uh, technology and, and prohibited its publication and, and export. Um, and um, so the uh, some groups, including the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, supported uh, uh, Bernstein in, in mounting a First Amendment challenge um, to, um, you know, to, to the, that prohibition. And it got up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which which found that code is speech, and uh, that the uh, uh, the export restrictions were unconstitutional. Basically, the government wanted Bernstein to get licensed as an arms dealer for writing code, which was pretty stupid. Um, but that you know th that case is the reason that uh, you know encryption technology is widely available to the public today in your messaging app or. Um, you know, uh, you know, all over the place. So your, uh, you know, your your video, uh, you know, you, you know, video conferencing apps use encryption in the background. Lot, you know, lots of things. The reason that that's uh, legal is is because of the Bernstein decision. Um, and then there was another uh, important series of cases um, uh, where uh, the Motion Picture Association uh, uh, tried to, uh, you know, tried to block. Uh, uh, actually, I think he was Dutch. Um, uh, developer who sort of reversed engineered the um, scrambling technology on DVDs and and posted it on on the the website. This is a series called the DCSS cases, and um, you know they tried to prevent him from um, you know from publishing that. And um, there was a free uh, a freedom of speech challenge, and um, supporters ended up taking the the source code and publishing it on T-shirts and selling T-shirts, and it, it it made it very apparent that you know. 
that the the actual source code on a t-shirt was uh, speech and expression uh, and so uh, that case actually made it to the supreme court uh, of california which which also recognized that that code is speech everybody knows that there are advantages to trading on both centralized and decentralized exchanges but why not choose an exchange like bullish that offers the best of both worlds Bullish's total trading volume recently exceeded $25 billion in just seven months since they launched. And they have the best liquidity in the game when it comes to Bitcoin USD. Now, Bullish has released the first major upgrade to its liquidity pool technology with the introduction of a concentrated range-bound liquidity pool for the Bitcoin USD trading pair. This upgrade triples the order book depth within a range of 2%, making it one of the world's deepest Bitcoin USD trading pairs. This industry-leading order depth means you can trade confidently at scale with clearly understood price impact. You should check them out immediately at bullish.com slash Melker. So then that definitely, since there's so much precedent here, and obviously this is a violation of the First Amendment, why now and why this, Mike? Do you have any thoughts? I know Seth sort of alluded to the fact that there might be political motivation there. That's something we can get into. But why, why do you think this is happening now? Is this just a symptom of this general ramp up against the crypto industry? Or is there something deeper here? I think that there's there's largely been a lot of criticism against the government for, uh, you know, basically um, not giving any rails to the industry, at least for the centralized part of the industry to decentralize their, you know, arguably can't be rails or, or they wouldn't be effective um, with the centralized piece, you know, exchanges, um, you know, currency transmitters, uh, they've been begging for clarity from the SEC, from FinCEN, from Treasury uh, proper. Um, give us some regulations to follow and we'll follow them. It's not an industry saying, you know, we're, we're out here to, to create anarchy. I mean, the centralized portions of this, they, they want to do the best they can, but they're just not being given enough help. Um, I, I would say if Treasury thinks that, that this is helping, um, they're, they're going about it the wrong way. Uh, you know, from a First Amendment context, I mean, any government restriction on speech, uh, it has to fall within uh, narrowly tailored uh, parameters. It has to be, uh, you know, furthering a substantial government interest, and and it has to have a, a basically a least restrictive means test. Um, you know, in this situation, uh, I think I think part of that test is met, but the other pieces aren't um, least restrictive means. I think there's other ways to go about going and trying to prevent North Korea or uh, any other state actors from doing what they do. Um, you know, if you want to prevent money laundering, we're doing that in a hell of a lot of different ways than than coming down on code. Um, you know, when you when you look at it, you see the you know, the small piece of this, uh, this uh, contract that's being used to, to launder money. I mean, um, you know, it, it does have a very legitimate use that I think has a strong argument uh, in court. And I, I'd like to see this argument made. So I can't wait to see, to see who actually brings it to court. Um, you know, but insofar as going after, you know, bad actors by, I mean, re realize people can still use Tornado Cash. Um, U.S. persons can't use Tornado Cash, but you know, outside your U.S. jurisdiction, uh, this designation means nothing. Um, so foreign actors, they're still going to use Tornado Cash. So yeah. I don't really understand what, what the targeting basis here was, other than to show U.S. persons, oh, we are serious about crypto and we can control you when you're attacked. So there's that. Um, but I think that, you know, for sure, you know, going, going after this to, to target uh, North Korea, the Lazarus, it's, it's not effective. And so when you when you use a sledgehammer to smash a flight, you know, that's when people have to really wonder what the hell is going on. And I, I agree with Seth that there's definitely something there's another message being sent here. Um, and I think that is the government is uh, tired of being perceived as, um, you know, unable to control uh, U.S. persons in, in this industry.
and in this community. And Seth, you mentioned that there is political motivation, you think, so I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so I, you know, I think it, I, the, the timing uh, to me is, is uh, <laughs> I think a pretty strong giveaway. Uh, so on, uh, uh, well, you have to know a little bit of, of context about Tornado Cash. So uh, Mike said earlier uh, in, in the conversation that, you know, some amount of, uh, of, of the, the ETH that's gone through uh, uh, Tornado Cash has been from uh, you know, sort of you know foreign foreign state actors. Nobody nobody knows exactly the number, uh, but we know it's not zero. Um, you know, but you know, fifteen percent, thirty percent, whatever it is. Um, you know, most of that is uh, you know we know is associated with uh, North Korea, uh, and, and particularly the Lazarus Group, Lazarus. which is which is the DPRK's uh, sort of cyber warfare unit. Um, you know, and these are these are bad guys, right? And, and these guys are bad for the crypto community. They they have been responsible for most of the major bridge hacks, and you know they are stealing from us. They are stealing from sort of Western you know crypto users, right? So um, you know, no sympathy there. But uh, think about the timing. On August seventh, uh, Kim Jong Un offered one hundred thousand North Korean troops to Vladimir Putin to assist in his war in Ukraine. August eighth. The next day, tornado cash sanctions come out. Coincidence? I don't think so, right? So I think this was a this was a situation of you know it, it was known that uh, Lazarus had had been using tornado cash, and the the administration in the U.S. needed a response to Kim Jong Un offering troops to Vladimir Putin. I, mean, I think it's as simple as that, right? It's no it's no secret that you know tornado cash was was out there and operating and being used and that some some percentage certainly not a majority but some percentage was being used for illegal means why was it sanctioned on this particular day i, I think that's the answer uh, i'd actually not heard that argument and uh, it's hard, hard to hard not to see those or hard to see those as perfect coincidence i mean what's this open source code what's to prevent Lazarus from creating their own tornado cache and continuing to create their own tornado caches as they're, uh, as they're, I guess, shut down and pursued. Like you said, Mike, I mean, this is the United States. It's the U.S. Treasury Department, but it's not everywhere. So does yeah, this really it's, 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 solve I, anything? I actually agree uh, with Seth. That probably is the political motivation. And it, it's, it's almost pitiful because... Uh, <laughs> What other action could the U.S. take in that situation? I mean, they've already sanctioned North Korea. They've already sanctioned Lazarus Group. They've already sanctioned uh, a bunch of other entities associated with both. Um, and so, you know, how do you basically hurt, uh, you know, an adversary that you keep punching and punching and punching and it still keeps coming? Um, so that, that's the sad part of this. And, and worse than that is that they've, they've used a tool, uh, you know, that has... Um, strong implications for privacy and First Amendment speech and, and uh, you know, a lot of good uh, in this industry. They, they've leveraged that as the only means of retaliation, uh, you know, towards that situation with the hackers and everything. So it's, it's, uh, it is a sad day for the industry. Um, you know, there, there's, there's no reason why people shouldn't be able to have uh, a certain level of privacy in this industry um, and, in this, and in this community of cryptoverse. I mean, uh, it's just absurd for the, for the government uh, regulators and even law enforcement to think that that they should be able to have carte blanche um, to see what everybody is doing, when they're doing it, who they're doing it with. Um, that doesn't happen with cash. Uh, that's why a lot of people still use cash. And that's going to be one of the reasons why, you know, for the for the get on zero crew, 
um, you know, which, which, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all behind that. I love crypto. Uh, at the same time, it's going to be real hard to, to wrestle that, you know, from the cold dead hands of people that realize it's it maybe the only uh, safe harbor for privacy that we have left. Yeah. I, I, cash is going to be eliminated as well, right? Uh, that's just a matter of time, I think. And we're already seeing a number of countries that are limiting the size of transactions with cash, most no notably Israel. Uh, of late, you can only transact a few thousand dollars. I mean, this is not a conversation we're going to have right now, but obviously this is another argument or something to watch as central bank digital currencies probably become a bigger reality. But maybe I can have the two of you back on to discuss that again uh, in the future. But just to, to close this, I know that both of you have to go. Uh, Michael, you said that you'd be interested in seeing how this will eventually be litigated. Both of you sort of alluded to that. Is What recourse do people have and who are those people, right? The code can't fight back. So, so is this on the American people as a whole to fight this or some sort of class action suit? How will this be litigated and how can this be, theoretically, I don't think it will be, but reversed if people are angry enough about the precedent? Well, I, think, I think you're going to see uh, groups like the Blockchain Association uh, and other industry uh, advocacy groups will uh, throw all of their support uh, you know, behind the, uh, the individuals and, and the community. Um, there's going to be people that, you know, to bring a case, you have to have standing. And so to have standing, you have to have some sort of harm. So it will be people that, uh, you know, have funds blocked, you know, the U.S. dollar coin uh, blocked like $75,000 worth of coin that was locked up in Tornado Cash. Uh, people that can't get their coin now are going to, uh, you know, ha have some sort of legal recourse. Um, you know, anybody, you know, even even with GitHub, I mean, uh, you know, arguably uh, not only could GitHub probably be the uh, the target of a suit, but then. Uh, you know, further than that, the U.S. government has uh, putting down these sanctions, which GitHub had to had to comply with uh, to remain, you know, legally uh, oper operational. Um, GitHub users could potentially have some civil suits here. Uh, so it is really going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, who who uh, saddles up and uh, and uh, who they're charging after. Seth. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think it'll be the you know civil society groups. Um, you know, it could be groups like Coin Center or Electronic Frontier Foundation um, that have been you know sort of champions of, of online privacy and, and and freedom for a long time. Um, you know, I, I think standing is not too much of a problem. Um, you know, probably anyone that got dusted with uh, you know the the point one uh, tornado cash ETH has probably has standing um, to some extent. So you know, I don't I don't think that's uh, that's a big problem. You know, the, the, I think the bigger problem in my mind is that, um, you know, that process takes years and these sanctions can remain in place. I mean, the, the damage is really already done, right? The damage is almost instantaneous. Um, and to unwind that will take a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort. And, and um, you know, I think the bigger questions are, you know, sort of what happens, uh, you know, what happens now. There was, there was a big controversy, you know, on, on crypto Twitter over the weekend about um, sort of, you know, DeFi apps, um, you know, blocking wallets that got dusted and, um, uh, you know, and sort of how decentralized are they really if, if that's, you know, if, if that's the response, uh, uh, you've got, uh, you know, the, the big uh, sort of infrastructure providers, the relayers like Infura um, uh, doing the same thing and, and, you know, preventing people from, from accessing and using Ethereum if they've ever had, uh, you know, interactions with Tornado Cash. You know, and, and it led some people to speculate, you know, like what's, you know, what's the future for ETH, for Ethereum? You know, is there, you know, is there going to be some sort of, a, you know, a, 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 a U.S. compliant fork and then a sort of an everywhere else fork of Ethereum? You know, you know, I think that that might be a bit alarmist, but, you know, it's worth thinking about. Um, uh, you know, there, there are 
sort of going to be real and lasting implications here uh, that happened long before, uh, you know, the sort of First Amendment rights are, are vindicated in, in, uh, uh, in litigation. Yeah. Well, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch, and I'm counting on you guys to come back and uh, help me keep tracking this and uh, other things in the future. Thank you uh, so much, both of you, for joining. I just want to make sure I got your uh, – everybody go follow the two of them, Seth Hurtline, S-E-T-H-E-H-E-R-T-L-E-I-N, is that correct, on uh, Twitter? And uh, you can find Mike at Blockchain Mike, but the first O cleverly is a zero, right? I got that right? Okay. I'm not going to spell that one out with the zeros and the numbers, but you guys get the idea. Thank you guys both for doing this. Uh, it was awesome to have both of you, especially since I'm so far behind and you guys actually know what the hell is going on here. So thank you once again, and I'll see you both soon. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much.